Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hi, everyone. I have no idea what you mean. Hello. Hey. Oh, my gosh. Good morning. She's made her desk into a standing desk, and she feels on top of the world, and now she's dancing or hulaing. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) She doesn't know either. This is something everybody knows that your posture is better when you're standing. I mean, at least like if you have neck issues like I have. Well, now you're making me want to do my standing thing. Keep keep talking. Let's see if I can do it while we do this. Yeah. Hit hit your little button. So I, this is not revolutionary that standing is better for your posture, all of those things. And I have been told for my, look at you. Oh my gosh. You guys, I hope you're watching this on YouTube because Christy, it looks like she is going down the elevator. Let's see if I can get. Oh, this does Also, also you you need to go higher. There, that's good. Is this high enough? That's good. Oh, darlings. Yes. Look at this. Look at us go. Now, the thing is, if you are, if you get motion sick and you do watch on YouTube, then I mean, I will move a lot. So, oh my gosh, but you have to keep your mouth, you have to keep your mouth close to the mic. Otherwise, you sound like an SMRE. I'm just telling you for the listeners. I know. know. For For the the readers. readers. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, Lordy. Welcome oh, to But Jesus Drink Wine, where we don't even know what we're doing today. <laughs> so I've heard for so long from the many different doctors I've seen about this neck issue that I have. It's residual from a car accident I was in years and years and years ago, back in back in 06. And I've tried different setups. I've bought all the, you know, different desks or whatever. I've never been able to really find anything that just solves the problem. And I've also given up and I'm just like, forget it. I'm just, I'm going to keep sitting and whatever. And I've tried different stools. I've tried different, like I've just tried everything. Like I'm just going to be a sitter because standing does not make me feel any better, but it's because I didn't have the right setup. And this is where, and so I didn't learn anything new by going to this new doctor recently. Who's like, I want you to stand while you work. That was not new to me. That was not trying differently because I knew this. But here's the deal. The pain is bad enough now that I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to try anything to feel some relief from the issues I'm having with my neck. And so my point is, that's how we get to be on this journey too, where it was the same thing when I was looking to find freedom from alcohol, the discomfort or the or the so-called pain of where I was stuck had to be great enough that I was willing to open my eyes to trying something new or different. In this case, it's not new or different. And that was where I was getting stuck. My mind was saying, but you've already tried the stand-up desk need. You've already tried that route and it hasn't worked. It was a matter of still trying different, different setups, tweaking here and there. And that's the that's that's what's great about this journey you know, when we're trying to find freedom from alcohol, like try different things, see what works. And maybe the pain isn't great enough yet. If you're still in that place of kind of like, well, I'm stuck here, but 
I'm not finding my relief. Or maybe you just haven't landed on the thing that is going to help you, but keep praying about it and keep staying open to the possibilities or like go back and try the same things that you've maybe tried in the past. That's the thing too. Like we can go back and revisit old things that maybe didn't work six months ago. They may work for you now because you are different now. And as long as we have that like curiosity and that experimental mindset, as long as we're willing to ask the questions like, huh, do I like this? Does this help me? What am I trying to like, what am I trying to achieve by this ridiculous setup? I should take a picture and share it with our readers because my setup is ridiculous. But guess what? I feel like a million dollars. It's I finally found a solution for where I was stuck with neck pain that wasn't getting better and was getting worse through the amount of time I sit behind my desk doing coaching and podcasting. There you go. And now I'm going to curtsy. I love it. I love it. I love it. I need whatever you are on right now. (laughs) I know, right? Literally, it's stand-up desk world. And it's also oversized sweatshirt day. Like, who doesn't love an oversized sweatshirt? I was so pumped to, like, throw on an oversized sweatshirt Probably because I have on, like, now I have on my, you know, like, good running shoes that are really good for my feet because I'm standing all day. And I'm just, it's it's made a difference. It's made a difference. Sloppy for you, babe. I do feel bad for all the people that are going to watch this on YouTube because I, I'm going to do this the whole time, which means I'm going to be bopping around, doing weird things with my microphone. So it might be a disaster. I have a problem with because Ella, when she was a, a bambini, she had reflux. And so like I had to constantly like bop back and forth yes, with her. Same. And I now and now I go to dinner parties and I can't like I literally rock back and forth all the time. <laughs> I bounce like I have a baby on my hip still. Like at, yeah. yes, totally. That is so funny. I do the exact same thing. And I never thought about it as being connected to the reflux, but all three of mine, well, two of the three really badly had reflux. I wonder. Yeah. It's just a constant. I, think I, w- I wasn't necessarily like a thing to get the reflux to go away. It was just in the beginning before I knew it was yeah. reflux, she would be screaming. And so I would just be constantly trying to rock her back and forth. No. Um, but yeah. yeah. She was so unhappy because she had reflux. So you would try and soothe her by bouncing, which mm-hmm. is what, yeah, which is what I did a lot too. Interesting. Interesting. What are we talking about today? <laughs> I know, right? Now that we've just like wasted all this time, precious we time. We have wasted. This is good. You're right. Chat about right. standing up your deskies. Yeah, right. And like finding new openings for different, new for openings. change, for possibilities. So I am not an anti-alcohol evangelist by any means. You're not an anti-alcohol evangelist by any means. We talk a lot about this. We are here to inspire hope for people who feel stuck with this, you know, in the drinking cycle. We are here to inspire curiosity for your journey wherever you are related to alcohol or anything else as a as a Christian woman or as a, you know, Jesus curious woman or or whatever. We don't have answers. We don't have solutions. Like I I'm not here to like tell you to do something my way or to be the authority on any of these things. In that I I think sometimes I can be less bold in how I really feel about certain controversial topics, like the topic of uh, traditional programming and, you know, the disease narrative of alcoholism. 
I tend to, I mean, our other episode was pretty fiery, I think. Although, I'm, although we said that a lot and then Chris listened to it and he was like, you guys said it was really spicy like a hundred times and it wasn't that spicy. So I think that we are just, mm. I think that we're just used to putting ourselves maybe into this conversation. And at least I am on social media. I mean, I've gotten a lot of hate anytime I talk about kind of this topic. And so I think maybe we were thinking we were being more spicy than we were, but like Ooh, that's good. It, de- it depends on who you're talking to, right? And True. that's the thing. If you talk to somebody that only knows traditional programming and has been told yeah. that the only way, the only way to find freedom and the all, and by the way, there is a, there's never any actual hope. And actually there's actually not even freedom. Right? I was say, like, that's, that's a, it, that's a lie. It's an illusion. It, it's just not death, basically. You know, yeah. you have to you have to declare the fact that you are diseased. You have to declare that yourself that you're an alcoholic. You have to go to meetings for the rest of your life. The disease is doing push-ups in the parking lot waiting for you if you basically fall. And if you have another drink, you're going to die. I mean, that is the general consensus of every single client that has been through mm-hmm. AA that has landed in a Zoom box in front of me. And so I think that the people that get really offended by when we talk about this stuff is people that that truly believe that that is the only way yeah that there is no other way to freedom and that there is no other hope you know yeah no you're exactly right it depends on the audience a little plug for the community that we have coming up this is what's going to be great about joining a community with our listeners is that we get to know most of them i would assume are fall into the gray area drinking camp like like we did but maybe there are some out there that are listening that have that traditional programming as their only way to so-called quote unquote, you know, freedom. What I just want to say, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Our beliefs shape our behaviors. And if we believe, if we buy into this idea that, that alcoholism is a disease, which it's, I mean, the the literature talks about it being a disease narrative, by the way. If we buy into it as being a disease, how does that shape your behavior? How does that shape your future? And I get really, I think, passionate about about this topic, even though I maybe hold back because I'm a I, you know, for whatever reason, I don't want to get get the hate. But at the same time, I'm I'm kind of like, I'm sick of pussyfooting around it, Christy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of dancing around it because I feel very passionately about the fact that it doesn't have to be that way. What this was kind of prompted by, like the only way to get the so-called disease of alcoholism is to drink alcohol. Like you cannot get that Say disease. Again. Say it again. Say it again. The only way to oh, get this so-called disease of alcoholism is by drinking alcohol. You cannot become an alcoholic without, I'm doing air quotes, alcoholic, right? Without drinking alcohol. So mm-hmm. why then, this, if the substance is the catalyst for this so-called disease, why are we putting it, why are we mm-hmm. putting the blame on people for having it? And how does that keep us stuck? Like, you cannot get this disease, you cannot catch this thing mm-hmm. without drinking alcohol. It, it, alcohol mm-hmm. is a, an addictive substance. I even mm-hmm. don't, I mean, I don't even like the label of addict. Like if you, 
want to put the label of addict on somebody, how does that allow them to show up in this world? What mm-hmm. if they take on that label of addict, you know? And so they're, you know, what maybe it's a self-diagnosed label as addict, or maybe someone has told them that they are an addict or they, whatever. How does believing that you are an addict have you showing up in the world? As if there's yeah. something wrong with you when there's not. These are addictive substances. Alcohol is the only drug that we separate out from drugs and we blame the person for. Mm-hmm. I know. It's wild. It's wild. The thing that I, I always say that uh, is just hits home for me is like you can't get a blood test. There's no diagnostic yeah. Any sort of test, you can't spit on anything. You can't pee in anything. <laughs> None of it's going to tell you whether you're an alcoholic or not. Like, right. That's just, it's right. It's not. It's totally and completely subjective. And I've had so many clients that have gone to their doctors and said, this is how much I'm drinking. I don't know if it's manageable. And the doctor's like, oh, it sounds fine to me. Keep going. And then that person has yeah. the green light to keep, to, to keep going. And this was actually like a really big theme of all the lovely like fireside chats we had at my retreat this weekend of just like women not knowing that there's another way that there they yeah. only, there is this like men too but yeah you are with women yeah 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 totally um and that and that goes hand in hand with like feeling like if you do have a drink when you're trying not to that it's th- that is it, it bleep, that it is this moral <laughs> failure that you are yes. doing something wrong and it's like no, like this is years and years and years and years of conditioning on top of drinking a highly addictive substance. And we're supposed to keep it cute and we're supposed to like make it look fine. Mm-hmm. But heaven for heaven forbid we drink too much. And if we do, we need to get that under control. Yeah. But you can't go f- so far as to label yourself. Like you can't go as far as this like alcoholic zone, whatever, because then you have a problem and then you are destined to a life of missing out in misery. And as we talk about all the time, there is a magical third door. (laughs) Yes. Responding to the heartfelt requests from you, our wonderful, wonderful listeners for a deeper sense of community. We are so excited to introduce y'all to the But Jesus Drink Wine community. Get ready to be part of an exclusive experience where you'll join a sisterhood of kindred spirits on a transformative journey of faith, sobriety, and personal growth. You'll gain access to our private community, a place where deep connections can flourish among women who share your aspirations of strengthening faith in Christ and breaking free from alcohol. But wait, there's more. We'll host regular connection calls to facilitate fellowship with like-minded gals No matter where you stand on your alcohol or faith journey, whether you're seasoned or just curious, you are very warmly welcomed here. Prepare to be inspired by guest expert sessions and engaging Q&As that explore the essential topics for your sobriety, faith, and holistic wellness journey. Don't miss out on securing your spot. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. We can't wait to see your beautiful face in the But Jesus Drank Wine community. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And make no mistake, the reason why we be- like we have the beliefs that it is not this big deal, especially I think as us as moms, like I always go back to picturing marketing execs sitting around a boardroom table, the story that I heard from someone who was in that industry back in the 90s, who sat around that boardroom table with marketing execs, 
before wine coolers were invented. And they had their next target audience, teenagers. And they knew, they studied teenagers. They studied what they bought, what they liked, what they did. All They studied teenagers so that then they could craft something to sell to them. By the way, that's why they made wine coolers because it had to be something that tasted good if they were if they were going to buy it. They did the make no mistake like they did the same thing for us like you know the suburban housewife like they made this they made the same they sat around the same table and studied us what we buy where we shop what we like what we don't like they poured so much into researching us so that they they could then dress up ethanol and put it in pretty bottles and sell pretty accessories with it and all the little like wine charms and all the things and it's it's okay and Sunday fun day and ro- rosé all day. They did all of that and we bought it hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. We bought it. But guess what? We don't have to keep buying it, you guys. Like this. You're it, fired up. I know. I know. <laughs> Look at these things when you give me a stand-up desk when I'm not sitting down. I get loud and I get very loud. It's too fast. But I do feel very passionate about this because I, I'm, I think I'm sick of kind of like dancing around it, pussyfooting around it. Like, yeah. it is something where we were targeted, we bought it, we fell for it. Guess what? We don't have to stay stuck or imprisoned by that like or you know lining their pockets anymore there is a different way let's talk Mm -hmm. about the hats that you give alcohol let's talk about what those beliefs are let's talk about how you're managing your stress and your time and you know there's so many conditioned responses we have and when there's a trigger there's a response if the response is wine okay let's untangle that Let's create a new way of responding to triggers. And then eventually we even just triggers don't aren't, aren't even as triggering anymore because we have this greater capacity. But let's stop throwing gasoline on the fire mm-hmm. by taking where we feel stuck and where we feel anxious and all of the, like and adding to it. If you never drink alcohol, you will not have a problem with alcohol. Like it's that simple. People who have never touched it cannot become quote unquote alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And neither yeah. n- neither can we or do we have to be because I call BS. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up a, a good point of like, just don't drink it, which can sound like that's super easy. And it, it's obviously like not easy all the time. Oh, yeah. But, no, 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 no. I, yeah. I, I know, I know what you're saying, but I just wanted to say, because this has been coming up a lot this week with clients. And because like, you know, when you like have those weeks where you've just like repeated the same thing over and over again. Yes. I've, the I've repeated. I've, there's been two, there's been two themes this week. Well, there's been three, two themes. The first one is nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking for a, a sobriety coach or a wellness coach or whatever, like that person is not going to just like ma- wave a magic wand and like make you stop yeah. drinking. Like you've got to take personal responsibility and do the work and probably make several tweaks to your schedule. But like in a good way of being intentional and like inserting things that bring you joy and actually like allow you to relax and make you feel like you're being rewarded, you know, and it's going to take effort. Yes. Yeah, but you you do and you have to look for those things. But that can be like a really exciting, explore, explorative 
explore. I, I literally can't today. You are literally on like some sort of like stand up speed. And I'm about to I'm fall asleep <laughs> because I've been looking at bad book covers all night. Where was I? Yeah. Mindset. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And honestly, I don't remember what the second thing I was going to say. Well, that's good, though. But that's exactly right. Like, you have to you have to have that. And I, don't, I didn't mean to say, like, if you never drink alcohol, like, you can't have a problem with alcohol as if, like, the people who are listening who are stuck in the drinking cycle, that that's the solution. That is not what I meant. I meant, like, for absolute clarity. I just it just kind of, like, hit me. Like, that is the biggest hole for me in the argument of alcoholism as a disease is, you know, if you never if you never pick it up, you can't have that. So how are those people different anyway? Um, taking the blame off of people ugh, and how people can get so stuck. But the exploratory mindset, the experimental mindset, you know, I mean, it reminds me of the listener question we had that the, the gist was that her mom is triggering her in the drinking sense. And we don't know if that means that like her mom's, you know, stressing her out and that's causing her to want to reach for the wine or if her mom is, you know, drinking the wine and then it's triggering these memories or thoughts of like, you know, these beliefs. But if you use that curiosity, that exploratory mindset, experimental mindset going into that situation, going into this journey, you're going to uncover things that help you break those tethers. There's like these like strings that are all attached to why we think alcohol is necessary. The strings that were put there by those are marketing execs sitting around a table who studied us and knew how to sell to us. There are all these strings that we've got to break, but they're not broken until we start exploring it and start experimenting with different possibilities for movements out of stuck. Yeah, so true. I remember what the other theme was. One of the gals on the retreat was talking about how she just never could get like wrangle moderation Millie. (laughs) And I thought it was so funny because I feel like we all end up going through these periods of time where maybe we have a little bit of like, maybe you've just come off dry January, right? And you're not sure like what you want to do next. And like, like me, a lot of the times I did dry January, I went right back, tried to moderate and it didn't work. And so Mm-hmm. just the theme this week has been like that's a theme for a reason and yeah. most people can't do that whole thing of moderation millie and not to like use our good friend millie's name because that's not what we're trying to do <laughs> just thinking, yeah. like poor millie we're just, we're but just like, in alliteration it doesn't work for most people but that's not necessarily your fault and that doesn't necessarily mean that you are something's wrong with you and it doesn't mean that you have this disease it's because of the way that alcohol is designed and taking 31 days off right unless you've done it with a really different conscious mindset probably isn't going to like move the needle on the way that you think and view alcohol yeah that's exactly right and I, you know, I, I was talking, I was connecting with a woman the other day who she's a dietitian, and she was saying there was a new study that talked about how the two foods, so to speak, that most inc- like increase, saw this increased risk of colorectal cancer after they looked at all of, all of these food substances or whatever. And it boiled down to alcohol. And they put that in the you know food substance category and white bread. And there was like a marked increase of your risk of colorectal cancer from eating 
white bread and drinking alcohol. And it's like, when we have that conversation about, you know, how about alcohol and the link to cancer, I even think about that. And I'm like, of course, it's not good for us, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's Mm -hmm. ethanol. It's a, it's a substance that by the way, back in biblical times, when, when Jesus did, so to speak, drink wine, when they drank wine, it was something they put into the the water to kill the bacteria, kill, mm-hmm. make it safe to drink. Except for like nowadays, it's so much more alcohol content mm-hmm. than it was mm-hmm. back then. And if it's enough to kill bacteria so that you didn't get sick back in those days, like think about how we're putting, of course, that's, think about what that's doing to our insides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Like, wasn't yeah. there like a whole thing just after COVID that like there was um a giant alcohol plant like not I don't know they were using basically like wine that hadn't been drunk and they were ch- like turning it into hand sanitizer and stuff like during COVID somehow oh, or maybe that. it was some sort of spirits I don't know but yeah like to your point it literally disinfects things and fuels cars and this is this is the other thing that I would. Have been fired up about too. I keep hearing this whole, and this is from people that don't drink a lot or, you know, don't have a regular, they have a healthy relationship, quote unquote. I've got a lot of air quotes going today with alcohol. Maybe they drink once a month or whatever. And, you know, a glass or two or whatever. I like, I like the taste. I like to have a glass of wine here and there because I like the taste, or I like to have a bourbon because I like the taste, or I like to have whatever it is because I like the taste. Like, I also, I call BS on that. I'm usually like, yeah, I'm, like, and I don't say anything. Because, I, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not going to engage in some kind of, like, sparring match with somebody over how that is not possible. But, but pay to see that. I'll do it right here today, right now. What I want to say is the reason why you think you like the taste is because you're, like, notice how I said, you think you like the taste. You think you enjoy the taste of it because this is this is the challenge I would love to throw out there. Go 90 days without a single sip of alcohol and then have a sip of alcohol. Tell me if you like the taste of it. Do that. Somebody prove me wrong here. My point being the conditioning comes when you do that thing over and over again. First of all, our taste buds become uh, desensitized to it. We get used to the taste. We acclimate to the taste of it, so it's not repulsive. It's like now having ha- having not had a sip of alcohol in five years, just the smell of alcohol literally turns my stomach. I can smell it when I was flying back from California. I could smell them serving wine or whatever they were serving in first class. I was I was back behind first class several rows. I could smell it the minute the beverage service started. Like, I didn't know it had started until I smelt it. Okay. Like, I could smell. Like, our senses are dulled when we drink. And that's one of the greatest gifts of being free from alcohol is that my senses are so much better now. Taste, smell, all of it, um, except for when alcohol is around because it's so freaking strong to me. But my point being that when we say like we like the taste of it, it's it's not humanly possible to like the taste of it unless we've been conditioned to believe that it tastes good. Mm-hmm. Because all of us have started at whatever point, the first time we smelled it, the first time we tasted it, 
find me someone who can actually remember their first time of loving it. I would still even say that wasn't even the, like there was something about that experience that was fun or good or beneficial or enjoyable that made you believe that you enjoyed the taste of it. It's It comes back to our thinking. So I also get very like, I'm so like, I don't spar with people over that one, but I really want to call BS on that too. It's a conditioned response. If you never drink alcohol, you will not like the taste of alcohol. But the more you drink it, the more mm-hmm. you know, desensitized you are to it and you form the belief and everything that goes around with it. So anyway, all right, sorry, tangent over. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. We covered a lot of ground today. Oh my gosh. Do we have fired a up, fired up. Yeah. Let's hit them with a with a tiny Tina. Try one new like thing. Whether whether you're stuck in the drinking cycle, you feel stuck in the drinking cycle, try one new way of approaching this stuck situation you're in. Whether, you know, telling a friend about it, whether it's journaling about it after this, whether it's just after this going like, how do I feel? And, you know, this was a fiery episode, okay? Like, how do I feel having listened to this episode about all of what was just said? Like, do I feel like I want to spar me? It's okay if you do. Like, great. Let's let's have the, let's keep talking about this. That curiosity, the point being the curiosity that comes from from that, and the trying new, just like I tried a new setup with my desk. I've tried the stand desk a million different ways. And finally, I was like, you know what? I am so desperate for relief. Whatever this doctor tells me to do, I will do and I will try. And that's the same thing that we find in our co- with our coaching you know, relationships. Sometimes it takes, like we can give you suggestions. We, we throw the ball to you, but it's up to you to take it and run with it. Is that how the sports thing works? Hey, maybe today's the day where you're like, okay, I don't want to be stuck anymore. Try one tiny new action. All right, ladies, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.